I'm such a competitive person too, that, you know, we have that, we said, I'm an all in kind of person. I'm like, okay, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to be all in. Like I was always hungrier to get better, to do more, to be the best that I could be. I'm not going to train, you know, four to six hours a day to go and get 10th place or to go and, you know, just, just make it to the games. I'm going to go there because I want to be the best. I want to be on the podium. This is the Limitless Athlete Podcast. I'm Tom Foxley, founder of Mindset RX and your host. And I believe we should stop doing stuff we hate in order to go all in on what we love and find meaningful. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay, that's part of the deal. That's how I respond to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Limitless Athlete Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Carrie Pierce, four times fittest American woman, six times CrossFit Games athlete, and title contender for most lovely person I've ever spoken to. Um, I had a ball recording this, but the biggest reason that I think you should listen to this podcast is because Carrie epitomizes the idea of going all in on what she finds meaningful, what she loves, what she derives enjoyment from. And that piece meaning is probably the most important thing that she talks about. So there's this phrase that I, when I first heard it, I did not understand it, did not get it at all. And it's kind of jarring. And that phrase is, find what you love and let it kill you. Now, like, it comes off as kind of aggressive, right? Or self-defeating. Um, I never understood it until kind of recently, I supposed. I think the, the let it kill you piece, that's what we're really talking about here. I think we want to find something so self-motivating and so meaningful that the difficulty in it becomes holding yourself back from burning out and from doing too much. That's how meaningful it is. Like, that's what we want to be spending our time through. Like, we don't want to be investing our time and energy in those things that we have to force ourselves to do. And this applies in training, definitely. But it also applies in terms of um, the rest of our life, too. Like, Carrie went all in on training, and that's why she's one of the best athletes that CrossFit has ever known. It's that ability to go all in. And the other piece of this as well, the let it kill you piece, again, the scary bit. This is about let it kill you as the version of you now and let you be reborn as someone better, someone stronger, someone who is able to contend with this in a way that your previous self never could. It's the death and rebirth myth again. So if we don't stay engaged in the problem, or sorry, if we don't feel engaged in the problem, we're not going to stay engaged in the problem and therefore we're not going to give her all. We're not going to succeed, but we've got to find something that we go full all in on. So if you're bored, disinterested, disliking or avoiding the, the challenge at hand, then chances are you've got to find something else to do. 
And I don't mean avoid hard work at all. You've got to go all in. But if it's not meaningful, if it's not important to you, then that's where we have to find an alternative route. So this is the major theme of the conversation with Carrie Pierce today. Like I said, outstandingly lovely person and enjoyable to speak to. Um, Alongside this going all in topic, we also spoke about how she dealt with COVID preventing her from competing at the CrossFit Games. Really interesting story about hard breaks, Um, changing her mindset for different events and different sports, how she modulates that mentality, um, how she keeps training fun and also what books she has gifted most or um, recommended most to other people. Now, If you are not a subscriber of the podcast, then definitely subscribe. We've got some really cool interviews coming up. Um, Just one of those I'm recording tomorrow with Justin Kotler, who is coach of so many athletes from this podcast, including formerly Carrie Pierce and Bethany Shadburn and Alison Scuds too. So masterful coach, um, underdog athletics coach as well. And yeah, it's a great podcast, I'm sure. So that's coming up next. And we've got a bunch more too that are going to help you move towards your potential as an athlete and in wider life too. Anyway, that is, as always, enough of me waffling. And sorry for the uh, slightly nasal and congested voice. I've been fighting off COVID for the last week or so. So here is the wonderful and lovely Carrie Pierce. Carrie, um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Um, the place I want to start is the place I start with every single athlete that we interview here. Um, tell me about your childhood and sports in your childhood. Gymnastics, gymnastics, gymnastics. My parents put me in when I was three years old with my sister who was two years older than me. And they also put me in swimming. I was in t-ball. I was in soccer, a lot of sports. And I just kept wanting to go back to gymnastics. So basically started competing at five years old and did it until I was 21 and competed in college, uh, division one school, University of Michigan. And we won four Big Ten championships there. So 18 years, a long time, but I loved almost every minute of it. Yeah. What is it about gymnastics that you loved? I just love the constant seek per, for perfection. Um, there were so many different things to learn, different things to do. There was different apparatuses. Like in soccer, I was like, I'm just running back. At, this is boring. And I just loved like flipping around and being on my hands. And my mom would always joke, like whenever somebody, like she would only let certain people hold me when I was young because they would be holding me. And then all of a sudden I would just like flop backward. And she's like, I didn't trust anybody else like to drop you except like very close family and friends and obviously uh, her and my dad. But I just, I love being upside down and flipping around in the constant excitement of it. Nice. Going for those handsprings from zero days old. Nice. (laughs) Pretty much. <laughs> um, who were your role models as a child? Uh, I actually, well, obvi- obviously mom and dad, you know, they were very athletic um, and they were my biggest fan supporters. They drove me one hour each way to gymnastics um, when I got older because I had a big dream. I wanted to go to a division one school, but also like randomly, I had a poster of Michael Jordan in my room as well. And I had a pair of Air Jordans. I loved watching him play basketball and you know just his work ethic and everything was inspirational and usually like a lot of the boys would have the air jordan shoes but i think i was the only girl and one of the boys in our class would call me jordan because 
I had my Air Jordans and wore them like every day to school. <laughs> nice, nice. So you say it's like his his work ethic, the competitiveness. What what was really like attractive about it? Because we like we have role models because they represent something in us that we feel like we want to get more of, or feel like it's going to help us drive forwards or something to strive for. Like what were you striving for that he represented? I think it was just being the best. Um, you know, you watch any basketball game he was playing with and he was so dominant. Like you would know that he's, when he's playing, you know, he's there because he either has the ball or he's initiating plays and you could just see that the team kind of is centered around him. And I mean, you know, you don't get that way from sitting on the couch and hanging out. Like, you know, there's hours and hours of hard work that go into that. But then at the end of the day, you know, it's going to pay off. And I feel like I am, you know, at a young age, I didn't know that obviously. Um, but I feel like I am very similar, like no matter what I've done, it's like an all in mentality, which sometimes I'm like, I wish I wasn't like, that way. Cause you know, like there's definitely like, you only have so much time in your day. And like, there's been like, I'm competing across it. Everything that I did centered around CrossFit and competing, like even going out at night, I'm like, I'm not going out. Like I could be recovering that it's going to make me better. And even like eight o'clock at night, like now, like I'm like in our Facebook group, like with the business. And so it's like, when I'm in something that I'm like all in it. And, you know, I watched his documentary, the last dance and stuff. And that's how he was. I think he's definitely more extreme than I am, but he's not uh, I feel like we're very similar. Yeah. Um, that all in mentality, like you're, like you're talking about there, it has its absolute benefits. And I think if you're going to do anything incredible, you have to have that. You have to find that thing that you're like completely in on. Um, but it has its drawbacks too. Let's start with the positives. Like when actually just starting in gymnastics, when did that become a, like, were there any memories or stories that you have of that being a real positive for you? Yeah. I mean, I was, so I was national champion at 11 years old and, you know, many kids are more concerned with playing in the street with their friends and everything. Um, I just love gymnastics and I feel so honored to like have found what I was passionate for at such a young age and to have such amazing parents that introduced me to gymnastics, even though they knew it was going to be an expensive sport, it was going to be time consuming, but they loved going to my gymnastics meets and watching me do well. Like my whole family would come to state championships. And like I said, when I was 11, my national championship was in Florida. We, the whole family went down to watch me. And then we ended up having like a little vacation afterward. Um, but just thinking back to everything that I was able to achieve and my parents at their house, eventually one day I'll have to like bring them all out, but there's like hundreds of medals and probably 30 to 40 trophies, um, that I earned. And it just, it's really cool just seeing that and knowing that even like at a young age, I was so determined and just knew what I wanted and was willing to work for it. And, you know, the sense of accomplishment after you're like a national champion when you're 11. And then I was a couple more time national championship it, or national champion in my high school years and multi-time state champion, I think like 20 to 25, I should actually like, look, I should know that number. Um, but it's just like, I excelled at a young age and figured out, you know, what I wanted. What was your mindset like as a kid? Gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I mean, and I was like such a perfectionist, like even in school, like I would study a lot. I would get straight A's. Um, for the most part, I got like one C and I'll never forget that. But um, I was just so into whatever I was doing. I wasn't a social bird. Like when I was, 
So in kindergarten, I didn't say a word the entire year. And my teacher was like, I think there's something wrong. Like, and I told my mom, I was like, no, I just hate the teacher. She has her two favorites. I don't like her. And then going into first grade, when you're six years old, about halfway through the school year, I said my first word and my teacher dropped everything and called my mom was like, Carrie said her first word. And I loved my first grade teacher. So I, you know, was able to open up a little bit, but I was very reserved, very into myself. And like, I was a perfectionist when it came to schoolwork. I wanted to do well. I was a people pleaser, but then everything was like around gymnastics. If I could do my homework at school, I was going to do that. So I could focus on gymnastics. That perfectionism is definitely a double-edged sword. We find it in so many athletes that we work with, but it's like, again, it's, it's driving you towards excellence. And I don't think you're ever going to get to all those standards of excellence unless you have that incredible drive to get there and that recognition for it. But like, man, the, the, the downsides that come along with it with like never being good enough, like kind of, I got to push harder, push harder. And the kind of sometimes the self-worth thing that comes into that as well. Of like, am I good enough if I'm not perfect? Um, did you ever find that? Oh yeah, definitely. Like gymnastics meets, I fell off the beam and you know, after that you're like, Oh man, like, do I even bother finishing? Like, I know I'm not going to win this meet. So, but then it's like, okay, you're here. Like you fell, you need to come back and you need to not, fall on the other events. Like there's four events. You could still do well. You can still win other events, but it definitely is hard, especially because you practice so hard. You put in so many hours for like, you know, this minute long routine and then you mess it up. And so you have to realize like, okay, it is a sport. Things are going to happen. And especially if it's not like a national championship, it's like, okay, you can bounce back from it. It's fine. But I think, you know, you are so hard on yourself or like, oh, I didn't get an A on this test. Like, I got to be like, am I a failure? It's like, oh man, now I need to spend like hours and hours where it's like, you know, it happens. It happens to the best of us, um, no matter what you're doing. But I think especially when you're so self-critical, it seems like any little thing is going to be the end of the world. How did that affect your career in CrossFit? I mean, I definitely think I learned a lot from gymnastics. Um, And one reason that drew me to CrossFit is it's very similar to gymnastics. There's a lot of different things to learn, different things to perfect. Um, And similar to, you know, falling off the beam, like you might go in a competition, you might get a no rep and a workout might not go the way you want. You have to be able to brush it off because especially at the CrossFit games, you know, there's 12 to 15 events. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to have a bad event. And the ones who are going to excel are the ones that can take a second, take a breath, realize, you know, that didn't go the way you wanted, but then be able to move on. So I think that's definitely something that I learned in gymnastics that I'm able to bring with me into CrossFit, into business, into just life in general. Yeah. That ability to reframe is, yeah, it's a tough one, but it's so worth it. And I think you have to go through those times, but what was your did you did you come up with any skills or were you taught any skills to deal with that perfectionist tendency? Uh like just if I wasn't yeah, perfect. So, so like kind of like reframing or um or maybe you were talking about like, okay, take a breath. Was that an like a stage through stage thing you're going through, or is it something you taught yourself or self-talk you have? Yeah, I think it was more self-taught than anything. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, it's, it's easy to sit and have a pity party for hours and hours, but you're at a competition. Like you have to remember the bigger picture of it. And I think just, you know, seeing that there were other girls, especially that I competed with in gymnastics and 
they would fall and then you see them pouting and like just being with themselves and what, and like, I don't like, I don't want to be that. And so I would see that happen. I'm like, okay, I need like, just like to take some time to myself, take a breath, like reset, like that happened. There's nothing I can do. Like it's over. And so it's like, focus on what you can control and not what's in the past. And I think that's definitely important. So I guess it was self-taught, but then also seeing the way others reacted and being like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that athlete. That's, you know, bringing other people down or anything like, like I said, take a second, have your pity party, move on. Yeah. Those people are like the opposite of your role model of Michael Jordan in that scenario. It's like, okay, that's what I don't want to be. And that's as powerful as that. This is what I do want to be. And I've listened to interviews with you and I've watched you compete and you don't seem like someone who would ever consider throwing a pity party too much. I'm sure you have down moments like everyone does, but you you don't seem like someone who'd get severely negative or really overly hard on yourself unnecessarily i'm sure you're hard on yourself in terms of striving for all but like but to get really down like what's the point and like said pouting um but who taught you that like where did you learn that from that's a really good question i guess i've never like thought a lot about it um in gymnastics i think when i was younger i was definitely way harder on myself and then as you get older, you're like, okay, in the grand scheme of life, like how important is whatever you messed up on? So I, you know, fell off the rings in the ringer, you know, and in the moment, obviously like you're thinking about it and you're like, this sucks. Like I just blew my chance at the podium and everything. And then after though, it's like, you just like think about it and you're like, okay, in the grand scheme of life, like, is this really going to affect me long-term? Like, you know, just thinking it's like, it's a moment in my life. Like, you know, there's, there's nothing I can do now to change it. And I'm going to have many other opportunities. And also like, for me, I just, I love what I get to do. And I am like, I get to fitness for a living. Like I get to work out for a living, like, especially when I was competing and things. And it's like, it doesn't get much better than this. Like, I'm just so lucky that I found my true passion and I can let it show through. And I love it. So I'm like, why am I going to be down on myself for making a mistake. Everybody does. You just, you know, you have to learn from it and you have to, you have to move on and be able to grow from it. Mm -hmm. You must've had um, good coaches, a good support group around you from a young age. Yeah. I mean, my, my parents were definitely my biggest supporters from a young age. They, they wanted to push me. Um, and I, they wanted me to, you know, maybe go to the Olympics because I, I said that was my dream when I was super young, but then did a little tryout and after that, like morning, night coaches yelling, I was like, no, no, no. So they're like, okay, like brought me back. And then at eight years old, I was like, I want to go to the university of Michigan to do gymnastics and, you know, kept on my way. I had some bad coaches and my parents would sit down and talk with me and, you know, see if it was the coach, if it was me, like what was going on. So there was a couple of times where I like, I switched gyms twice uh, because of that. Just, it was a toxic environment, but they were my number one fans. And even at eight years old, I pulled a muscle on my back. And when I went to the gym, my mom was like, okay, the doctor said, don't let her bend backwards. The coach, the first thing he had me do was bend backwards. So she pulled me out of the gym for the entire summer because she was, you know, she's, she's my mom. She wanted to make sure health was more important than the coach trying to show her who's boss. Um, And then I ended up returning and I guess the coach told my teammates that I had a little backache and that my mom pulled me for a little backache. 
but I think just having my parents support me. And even mm. when I went into CrossFit, they traveled to Australia um, and they went to basically every CrossFit competition, including the first games that I made when I was like, Oh, I'm doing this like CrossFit competition. I think it'll be cool for you guys to join. And they came and they're like, how come we didn't know it was this big? I was like, I didn't know it was this big. Um, but yeah, they're, they definitely were amazing. And even like, I mean, in club, my coach was very, very intense, but there was other amazing girls that I just developed such a relationship with. And you go through the struggles, you can relate to them. So, and then CrossFit always had an amazing coach ending with Justin Cutler, who basically is like family. Yeah. He seems like a great guy. He's actually podcasting with him on Tuesday. So massively looking forward to that. Great yeah. guy. Um, yeah, and that'll be coach fun. Rachel's been hanging out with him too. Um, oh, so yeah. the, the safety aspect, because like you had you had your parents essentially providing like safety. Like they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to look after you. And that kind of gives you that permission to push the boundaries to kind of, to always know that, especially as a kid, to know you like you're safe. Right. You yeah, laughed when I said push the boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially doing gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? There was like, I did some, like I pulled my back or pulled the muscle on my back diving just for fun. I over-rotated. And I remember going to the side of the pool and just sitting there and being like, this is painful to sit. And my mom like looked at my back and she could see like the muscle like bulging out. So then, you know, took me to the doctor right away. And then there was another time in gymnastics. I was doing a vault and one coach was like, go as hard as you can. The other coach was like, no, 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 don't. I listened to the coach that said, go as hard as you can. Cause she was my favorite coach and like over-rotated, straining the muscle in my back or straining the muscle in my neck tore some ligaments in my back and then just other injuries, landing short, just things like that. I feel like mm. gymnastics of any sport for like a parent to watch is definitely like one of the scarier, like my sometimes what? Well. Yeah. yeah. Especially like on a four inch wide piece of wood, like flipping around and doing crazy things, swinging and flying on bars and stuff. So it definitely, I mean, at least it's not impact. I'm not like hockey, which my brother did and worried about another kid hitting you and getting a concussion, which, you know, happens or football. Um, it's basically on me, but for them to like voluntarily put me in and let me do it for 18 years, like major props to them. Yeah. Do you remember your first experience of competition? I remember being so small that I couldn't like jump on the beam. So I was like the one, one of the little girls that they had to like lift and like, put on the beam. Um, and like I said, it was like when I was super, super young and that's what, like what my mom always jokes about. And I just remember like other random meets, um, just like going off the balance beam and I was just being so nervous not to fall. So I was like very tentative, um, but a little bit, but not too, too much. Yeah. And then obviously gymnastics came to an end. How did that come about? So, I mean, most gymnasts peak when they're 16 years old. So super, super young um, compared to any other sport. And like, luckily for me, I think, you know, I waited till like 17 because I was national champion. And then I went to the University of Michigan. And when you're in college, you know, your career is going to be over after that. For gymnastics, you basically peak, then you go to college and you try That's to maintain crazy your skills at that age, like peaking at that age, thinking, right, this is the height of my career and I'm not really an adult. Yeah. And you're just like so young. Cause like even training for the Olympics, like you have to know when you're like six, seven years old, there's like a different path that you take versus if you're going to go to college when you're so young and that's like respect to my parents. Cause 
when I was eight, they took me down to training um, place in Texas with Dominique Mucciano was an Olympian. Like her and her dad had a gym. I went to test out there and another gym. And that's when I realized I didn't want to go to the Olympics, but for like an eight year old, it's, it's insane. Like it's so young and just how your life changes two a day training, super intense, but girls do it. But for me, like I knew after college that was going to be it. So my senior year, I basically soaked up every minute, just really, really enjoyed it and mentally prepared to be done because I knew that was going to be the end. Yeah. And that transition period is always interesting. Like I suppose there's, you could, you could mark without knowing you too well, a couple of major transitions for like away from gymnastics and into CrossFit at some point, and then out of CrossFit as well. Like that, those transitioning points are notoriously tough because like my identity is this and now I'm changing. Um, how have you found that like at, at both ends of the CrossFit career? Yeah. So finishing gymnastics, um, because I did it for so long, like you said, you just define yourself with the sport. Then I, so I approached our strength conditioning coach and asked him like, okay, I'm done with gymnastics, but I still want to work out. I still want to stay in shape, but I don't know what to do. So he was strength conditioning coach at the university of Michigan was like, you should do an internship. Um, you can learn about like, you know, what we do for strength conditioning. Cause I told him that was like a possibility for my career. And I did some weightlifting because he also said I would be good at that due to my short levers. So I had a lot of fun, you know, switching and lifting weights because in gymnastics, we didn't do a whole lot of lifting heavy. It was a lot of body weight, pull-ups, toes to bar, handstand work. You would do some lunges, but the heaviest we lifted was about 15 pound dumbbells because, you know, they didn't want you to get too bulky. So didn't really do too much of that. And then... I mean, the first time I squatted was between sophomore and junior year of college. And, you know, I was very healthy my junior and senior year, which I relate to being a little bit stronger and lifting weights. Um, and so after, yeah, I did the internship, but then unfortunately I hurt my back and like I posted a disc, I think it was just related to gymnastics and then finally came out after like my body was like, oh, okay, I'm done. Um, so I was just still trying to find, you know, what the next thing would be because I still didn't know what I wanted to do career-wise. I did that internship. I personal trained and I volunteered in a hospital, realized the gym was the place for me. And then after the weightlifting competition, did a physique competition, moved to New York City, did a powerlifting competition, and then found CrossFit. Love competing. It's like yep. that it seems like when you find something you're like you said at the beginning, like you're all in on it. Yeah. I was and like weightlifting, you know, I hurt my back, so I couldn't do that. And there was a lady at the gym that I was personal training at that was like, you should do a physique show. You would be great at it. And then doing it and just like being told how to look, I was just like, that's, that's not for me. So mm. I ended up switching gears and I was just working out for fun for a little bit and then ended up powerlifting because there was a coach at the gym that I was personal training at that was a powerlifting coach. But still I was like, okay, this is great. Like I like being strong but I felt just like so out of shape, like going upstairs and like out of breath. So I was like, okay, I still haven't found quite like what the next thing is. And then I had a teammate in college who was like CrossFit, 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 but I was done with gymnastics. Like I said, mentally checked out, nothing to do with it. She's like, it's not real gymnastics, like not the gymnastics you're used to. She's like, it's handstands, but like, it's like conditioning stuff. And I was still just like, no. But then finally I saw it on ESPN had a coach from New York city contact me about coaching. And that's when I was like, okay, after this powerlifting competition, 
I'm going to start CrossFit. And that was in November of 2014. And then the, I suppose the, the question that you must have been asked a million times, but I'm really interested by regardless is like, what was it that drew you to CrossFit? Like, what was the, like that, that competition piece, I'm going to try and put words in your mouth here. The competition piece and the ability to go all in must've been part of it, but like there must've been something else in there as well. Yeah, it was so, when I started, it just reminded me of gymnastics because there's so many different things to learn, so many different things to do, so many different things to perfect. And at the time, like I had done a little bit of weightlifting, like I dabbled in it, but I didn't know how to row. I did never had been like on an assault bike running. Like I said, after I finished powerlifting, good luck running a mile. And even like, I was one of those people, like when I started, saw butterfly pull-ups and I was like, no, those aren't real pull-ups. And so there was just like so many things that I knew I would have to learn. And it was almost just like a con, like a challenge. And that exciting. It was very exciting. It was exciting. It was a little intimidating because I started and I couldn't do double unders and everyone else in the gym is just like, you know, cranking out a hundred in a row. And here I am like trying to do like three and just like getting super frustrated because I was like, I want to be good at this. And so my coach made me practice. Like he wouldn't let me start training until I did a hundred double unders every day. And even my first CrossFit open, I was like tripping through my double unders. I mean, I made it through, but it was just the constant excitement and challenge of CrossFit that really drew me in. How do you deal with that part of skill development? That's like, this is really frustrating, really annoying. I know I want to get better, but there's always that encouragement from one part of your brain to go, you know what, screw it. I'm going to leave that to one side and I'm just going to, I'm just going to focus on my strengths. How do you keep that balance? Yeah. So like I said, my coach, thankfully, um, was like, you're going to keep practice. Like, I'm not going to let you start training until you get your double unders in because double unders were something that I was just, I would just get frustrated with. Whereas like the butterfly pull-ups, I was really good at strict pull-ups from gymnastics. And then I was trying to learn how to do kipping and butterfly. And I remember one day I spent four hours at the gym and I was like, I'm not leaving until I do a butterfly pull up. And so I think just like that stubbornness was like, okay, like I might have to sleep here. I don't know, but we are going to get it. I watched videos and I just kept going and go like, just being that perfectionist. I think just that mentality, like I wasn't going to let myself down. And, and then, you know, there's, that was an easy part. Cause I was a gymnast. I was like body awareness. Like I, I should be able to do this. This should be easy. Like I said, it took a long time, a lot longer than it should have. And there was definitely times where I just like sat down and was like, you know, maybe I could leave. And I was like, no, like you've committed to yourself. You've told yourself you're not leaving until you do this. And so it was like, I was by myself. I still remember it was, I mean, it wasn't even like really a gym. I started training CrossFit in a studio apartment in New York city. So it was in there and I was like by myself with the pull-up bar and like, okay, you're here. And then for like other things, like the weightlifting, you know, everyone tells you like, it takes time, it takes time. And it just working with a coach and just him constantly reassuring me like, okay, this is going to get better. It's going to get better. It's like, you just have to know, like believe in yourself, like the consistency is going to pay off. And, you know, there's, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days, similar to gymnastics. There's days where I would fall on like fall constantly throughout the day, just things weren't clicking. And it's like, that's a part of life. Like you're only human though. You, you know, you're really hard on yourself. You still, 
you're going to make mistakes. And I think being able to realize that is huge and like, just give it your best today. If it's not, you know, your best, the same as your best was yesterday, that's okay. Were you aiming at getting to the games from that moment, from like your very starting CrossFit? I was. Um, I saw it on ESPN and that was definitely like a, a big change that, that that's what made me want to start CrossFit. I heard about it a little bit and I had never actually seen it in action until one day I was at a Globo gym, you know, like I said, I was just kind of working out for fun. It was still even before I like had committed to doing the powerlifting meet and they had ESPN on. It was in July during the CrossFit games and I saw the games and I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to finish my training. And then I want to like watch that. Like it looks pretty cool. So I remember just like laying a yoga mat on the floor. It was a Saturday. There was like nobody at the gym, maybe three other people in the gym. And it was a huge gym in New York city. And I remember just like laying on the mat and just like sitting and watching the games. And I was like, okay, this is what my friend keeps talking about. I think I could be pretty good at that. And then when the owner of the gym contacted me and we ended up talking about CrossFit, I was like, okay. And I remember our first meeting, everybody had to say their goals. And I was like, my goal is to make it to regionals this year. Like I just started in November and I was like that coming May was regionals and you had to do the qualifier, the open in February and March. And he's like, you're, you're going to make regionals. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. He's like, everybody thought you were nuts. Cause I like, you know, I didn't know how to butterfly. I didn't know how to row. Like I didn't know how to do a lot of these things. And they're like, this girl thinks she's just going to like float on into regionals, like easy peasy. Um, and so, I mean, fast forward, I ended up making the games that year as well, but I definitely wanted to make the games. I didn't know how big and how hard it was to make the games. I just, you know, saw it on TV and was like, oh yeah, they're doing like fancy and stuff. They're lifting some weights. Like, okay, cool. I didn't realize like, you know, it's a competition of the competition, the world championship of the year, but ended up making it. So it's good. It's almost like you consider that a normal thing to be able to do, like that standard of competition. And I definitely don't mean that in a disparaging way at all. Um, it's like what we, it's, it's similar to, you know, the, the six minute mile record where, oh no, sorry, the four minute mile record where everyone's like, you can't be a four minute mile um, at all. It's impossible. And then Roger Bannister did it. And then the month, like this, I think 18 months after something like 12 people did it as well. And it's obviously like the belief of this is normal to you that, a lot of what was in the games was kind of normal to you or it can see or it seemed achievable i'm guessing whereas a lot of people when they look at the games for the first time they're like holy shit there's no way i could do that yeah and i think part of it like i I, like never thought about this really until now either um so because i had a friend that that was like carrie you'd be good at crossfit you'd be good at crossfit and then you know i told her no because it had something to do with gymnastics and she competed at the games on a team. So it could have just been like, you know, I was like, Oh, she's competed at the games. Like, why can't I go and compete at the games? You know? So I think that could have been part of it. Cause she went three or four years. I don't even know how many. Um, and she's like, yeah, I competed. it was great and whatever. And so I think probably hearing her say that she had been to the games. I'm like, Oh yeah, duh, I could totally do that. Yeah. How many months does it work out for, between you starting CrossFit and you getting to the games? Uh, so I started in training CrossFit in November of 2014. It was right after I finished my powerlifting competition. And then, so you do the open in yeah. February, beginning of March. So November, December, January, February. So like, wait, December, January. 
So like, I guess like three, three months after I started CrossFit, um, going into the open and you know, that was like four, five weeks long. And then May Memorial day weekend was our regional. So six months. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's when I qualified to the CrossFit games, which was the end of July. So eight months from when I started CrossFit to when I qualified or when I competed at the CrossFit games. So what's your reaction when you're competing in the CrossFit games? Like for that first time? <laughs> I was just in awe to be there. Like, like I said, I, first of all, didn't realize how big of a competition it was, but then after like at regionals, when my teammates were like, dude, Carrie, like you could possibly make the games. I didn't realize how big that was, especially just like my first year, I was able to win two handstand events um, because of my gymnastic background. And then yeah, going to the CrossFit games, and to be a hundred percent honest, my mentality was, I don't belong here. Like I mm. was with Annie and Camille and Sam Britt, like all of these amazing athletes I had seen on TV the year before and just competing. And all of a sudden I'm in the warm up area and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I stopped and stood there for like two or three minutes and just was like looking around and seeing like all of these athletes that I had watched on TV, like never thought I was going to meet. And then Margot Alvarez, such a sweetheart, came over and introduced herself and was just like, hi, I'm Margot. If there's anything I can do to help you, like, please let me know. I know this is your first games. And like that, it just made the experience so much better because it it went from all of a sudden like, oh my goodness, like these are athletes like that I like aspire to be. And now I'm like here with them, but I don't belong here. And then Margot coming over and just being like, I'm here. Like if you need anything, if you need help, cause it, you don't know what to expect. Like it's all, you know, CrossFit is training for the unknown. So you don't know what you're going through, all the briefings, all the competition, like, and just that first experience, they have you busy all the time. You know, when you're an outsider looking in, you see the competition, but there's briefings, there's times you're just like hanging out the workout announcement. So it was, it was eye opening, but it was, I mean, looking back on it, absolutely incredible. If you could go back to that first, actually, let's go for the first two years of competition and give yourself a piece of advice. What would that advice be? Well, so especially, especially the first year recovery, eat more, drink more. Like, I think I was just there and, you know, like looking around and doing fitness and stuff, but I wasn't aware of my nutrition. And also, I mean, I didn't implement a lot of strongman things. Me and my coach were both very, very new to CrossFit. So I feel like my training could have been a lot better. Um, and then also just like focus on yourself. I think I was so starstruck that I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm going to be sharing a bar with Sam Bricks. Oh, is she going to judge me for like clean? Cause I, especially like cleans and snatch, like the weightlifting stuff. I was like, I hope nobody watches, like, don't watch me over here because there was a max clean and jerk. And I was like, so nervous for it. So I think just like focusing on myself and not being worried about what others might think or what others might say, because at the end of the day, like looking back, like if there's ever, ever like, you know, a rookie after I had been to the games a couple of times, it's like, it's just awesome that you're here where I feel like I was just like, everybody's watching me every minute. And are they judging me? Am I, am I doing this right? Like, so I was just very in my head about, do I actually belong? And I think I should have just been like confident, like, I earned my spot here just like everybody else. Um, so that's number one. And yeah, number two is definitely the recovery aspect. I didn't realize how much I should be eating every day, drinking enough. Um, Murph was 
one of the workouts in 2015, you know, we did it in the middle of the day. So a lot of people had heat exhaustion. Um, and I was one of them and ended up like seeking treatment and stuff. So definitely should have been more prepared and hydrated electrolytes, all that kind of stuff before. Yeah. I remember that well, um, from the cool, calm comfort of my own living room. I remember it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, see that imposter syndrome piece is so common, I think in life generally. Um, but it's so common within CrossFit, whether it's someone's first day at the box and they're kind of getting into training or they're transitioning to CrossFit or they're doing the first local competition or it's the first open or their first quarters, semis, like bigger competition, whatever it is now. You obviously learn to deal with that a bit, like, or you kind of, you got more experience, definitely. But they, there must have been a, some, some reframing that you did or there was a way that you viewed it differently, um, I'm guessing, at the end of your career. What was the difference between the start and the end in terms of I belong here? I think it was just getting more training, more experience under my belt. So like I said, the first year, it was definitely a shock that I even made the CrossFit games. And then the second year I was like, okay, like this is still like a coincidence. So my, one of my gymnastics coaches told us like, especially for like a new skill, the first time you get it is luck. The second time is a coincidence the third time you actually have it. And so, I mean, like similar, I feel like, you know, in my mind, I'm like the first time I made it, I was like, Oh, I got lucky. Like I, they had two handstand events at regionals. Like that's the only reason I'm here. And then the second year it was like, okay, well, this is a coincidence. Like, you know, the regional workouts still fell like into my favor, even though it was like completely different set of events and workouts. And there was a lot more heavy barbell, which I was not necessarily known for, but I was still able to make it. And then my third year, I feel like I just had enough training and enough experience and everything under my belt. And from getting fifth place at the games in my second year and the most improved award, top female athlete, I think after that, it was kind of like, okay, I belong here. But also like you can't get too cocky because everybody else is working their butt off. And so each year is a reset. It's not like, okay, you were fifth last year. You're guaranteed to go to the games. You're guaranteed to get fifth place or you're guaranteed anything. Um, but I think I definitely like proved to myself and just had a lot more experience with different, uh, movements and different pieces of odd pieces of equipment. And yeah, that, that training experience is huge too. It's almost like that exposure therapy piece where you kind of, if you're scared of something, then you do a very small version of it and then you do a tiny bit more and then tiny bit more. And you learn throughout that process, not that um, the task is easy, but that you are strong and you're stronger than you thought. And it's like the more you experience those kind of events, it's like the more I belong. It's like, this is actually where I deserve to be. It's quite hard to keep that edge though of competitiveness when it's like, I'm good enough to be here, but I'm not so good that I don't have to work out. Like, how did you keep that edge? I kept it because my goal was to be on the podium and I'm such a competitive person too, that, you know, we have that, we said, I'm an all in kind of person. I'm like, okay, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to be all in. Like I was always hungrier to get better, to do more, to be the best that I could be. I'm not going to train, you know, four to six hours a day to go and get 10th place or to go and, you know, just, just make it to the games. I'm going to go there because I want to be the best. I want to be on the podium and that constant strive for perfection, I think just, just kept me going. And like I said, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices that you make, like not going out, not taking family vacations, not 
going to certain weddings if they're not in the right time of year. Like there's a lot of events, family events, friend events that I ended up missing because I'm like, no, I'm training for the games or even it's even in December. Like I would compete at Wadapalooza. I'm like, no, I'm training for Wadapalooza. Um, so there was like a couple of times I missed family, either Thanksgiving or Christmas. Cause I'm like, I'm training. This is it. Like how, if I go home, it's going to get in the way. How do you reconcile that with firstly yourself? And then secondly, everyone else who expects you to have a normal life. I think it's, you know, just remembering like, this is about me and what I want. And it's, it's definitely really hard. Luckily, like I said, my family is amazing. And they're like, okay, well, you're not going to be home for Christmas. We're going to come to Wadapalooza. So I definitely think there's that level of support from, you know, your loved ones. Cause they, they, they know me better than anybody else. They knew like in gymnastics, I was all in and they knew like CrossFit, I was all in like, you know, it's kind of like this, this is my job to an extent. And, you know, if somebody has to work over Christmas, like there's, there's nothing you can do. And they just, they knew that made me happy. And so they were, they were willing to support me and, you know, maybe they would come to visit me um, at a different time just because they realized I had something to train for. Um, And so I think it's them understanding, or if somebody wouldn't understand, then it's like, okay, well, then I don't want you in my life because you obviously you don't understand me and my goals and what I want. And you're trying to deter me from them. So. So there'll be a lot of people listening. Actually, there'll be some people listening to this who say that's awesome. And I wish I had that supportive network around me too. What would you say to those people? I mean, you have that choice. Um, And I think it's like realizing, you know, those people in your life, that do support you. Um, and I remember like with some of my friends when I started competing and we would go out to eat and I'm like, no, like I don't want to eat. And they're like, are you crazy? Like, why aren't you eating? You can get like grilled chicken and grilled vegetables. I'm like, yeah, but I also need like a sweet potato and I need other like carbs and I need to like track what I'm eating to make sure I'm eating the right things. And I think at first it was kind of like, well, you're weird. And then (laughs) it turned into, okay, like we understand you. Like, I remember going out to eat and being like, okay, now it was like 11 o'clock at night. Cause I was, we were in New York city for a vacation. I was like, I was eating eggs before, uh, bed and we're like walking around Chelsea, um, like the city looking for eggs. And there was like a diner that I could go and get eggs at. And so I think part of it was like, it just not necessarily like changing other people's thought about it, but just realizing that this is, this is what makes me happy. This is what I enjoy. Like, I'm not going to judge you for things that you do. You're going to go drink alcohol. You're going to go party really hard. Like, perfect. I'm going to support you. Like that makes you happy. Fine. But don't tell me like I should it or I should drink or I should do things that I don't want to do. Um, and so I think it's just, you know, surrounding yourself with people that truly care about you and what makes you happy and what makes you feel f- fulfilled and not try to, do what they say or what they think is right. What was the emotionally toughest moment of CrossFit for you? Um, that's a good question. I mean, well, <laughs> the first thing that obviously pops in my mind is last year at the CrossFit Games, um, not being able to compete, being there, being, well, yeah, toughest, um, being there and then you know, the day of competition, having to withdraw. Um, I think that was it, like showing up to the venue and everything. And then 
not being able to compete. I was super physically fit. I was debating if I even wanted to train and compete uh, last year because the year before 2020, I made it on the podium and I was like, I'm good. Like I check it off. I've done everything that I wanted to in CrossFit. And then Bethany Shadburn, Danielle Brandon moved to Las Vegas. And I was like, oh, they're making training fun. Like I want to keep training because of them. Um, and so I, like I said, I was ready to be done. I was ready to just be like, okay, I'm good. And then my coach was like, oh, are you still having fun? And I was like, yeah. And then they moved and, you know, we have this amazing crew and I was like, okay, like let's do this together. And West coast classic had the time of my life competing with them. We went one, two, three, which was, you know, such a high and then training so hard with them to get ready for the games. We were all in incredible, incredible shape, just having fun too. And then getting there and realizing I couldn't compete. And I just like started bawling. I think they caught it on camera and everything as well. And, you know, it was definitely hard for the first little bit, but then also so many people, I feel like it went from like an extreme low to like an extreme high uh, because people ended up like reaching out and just saying how much they cared about me and we're going to miss me and everything. But it was really hard knowing, you know, a year of work just went not completely down the drain, but kind of down the drain. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you deal with that? Uh, I mean, it, it, it took a while. It definitely like, you know, you're, you're stuck in, in a room and everybody's competing. And I feel like it, like there was never a time where it like has hit me yet that I like didn't compete because I think I was just like in a room and like, I didn't watch anything. I was watching new girl. Um, so I was like laughing and that, but I feel like there were so many people that reached out, just like I said, like saying how much they cared about me and hoping that I was okay. And it just that they were thinking of me. And I think like that, like from that, I was like, that's like almost a bigger sense of fulfillment than anything I could have done at the CrossFit games. Um, and especially because of like my brand and things like, you know, people are like, you, you've changed my life. And so there was just like a lot of people reach out in different ways, whether it was like the athlete that I am, the person that I am, the business owner, like uh, coach uh, that I am. And so it was just really cool having all of that support and everybody like reach out and everything. So I think that definitely helped me make it through. And then, you know, at the end of the day, realizing I'm more than just an athlete. And, you know, we talked about early, earlier separating yourself because you're more like, no matter, like if you're an athlete, if you're a lawyer, if you're a banker, whatever you are, like you're more than that, you know, that is a big part of your life. But I have to realize that I'm not a CrossFitter and it's not like, I'm not going to be a CrossFitter for the rest of my life. And especially as I was thinking about retirement, it was like, you need to realize you're a lot more than this. Yeah. Cause right at the beginning, you said something like in the grand scheme of life, missing this rep doesn't count. And it's like, even if you, so if you're talking about the workout as a whole, it's like, okay, that's one one rep I've got to carry on. And then if you're talking about the competition, it's like, okay, it matters even less. And if you're talking about your whole career as a CrossFitter, it's like even less than that. But if you realize that just training is just one part of your life for one period of, of time, and then that gives you kind of the freedom to forgive yourself and move on a little bit quicker. And it seems like you have that perspective where you can do that. Yeah. And I think that's huge because, you know, the more you sit in your sorrows, it's not changing anything. Like, 
it's done. You know, you, you can sit and you can reflect on it and be sad for a little while, but you know, there's, there's a lot more going on in life than just that, you know, it made my decision for retiring definitely a lot harder. Um, but I'm really happy that I was able to compete at rogue, um, because they gave me like a little send off and I, I really just got to enjoy every second of it. And I got to announce it to my fans. And there were so many people that like came they're like, I'm so glad like you announced this was your last competition because I didn't do that before the games. So people were like, we came here just to watch you compete and uh, see you take the floor for the last time, which was, you know, also like, so, so cool. Yeah. Um, what was your greatest athletic achievement? I mean, as of right now, definitely reaching the podium at the CrossFit Games and being four-time fittest, uh, four-time fittest American female and then reaching the podium at the Games. Because I feel like for an athlete competing six times at the CrossFit Games and being the top American four times is incredible. I don't know who's second to that. I'm not sure how many or what other athletes like have been the top American that many times, but pretty sure four wins. So. And how do you prepare for a competition mentally? Mentally, I I'm a big fan of visualization. So I, that was something I learned in gymnastics every Saturday we would do visualization techniques, um, whether it's for training, for competition. I always like close my eyes, go through the workouts, perfectly. If we know what they're going to be, if not, then, you know, I just like picture myself at the arena and just, you know, being in my lane, being in my zone and also like realizing all of the work is done. Like you just have to do what your body knows how to do. Cause people are like, Oh, well, how, like, do you do, do things different for competition? I'm like, I don't like, you know, it's a different workout maybe than what I've done in the past, but I train really hard for a reason. So that when I get to a competition, my body's ready. My mind's ready. Um, and like, there's been workouts where I push myself to lim- my limit. My coach, Justin Kotler, one workout in specific that I remember was heavy wall balls, box step overs, D ball of the shoulder and sled push ha- my hardest movements. And I remember like starting to like tear up during the middle of the workout. And then right at the end, like it just took everything physically, emotionally, and I just like started like waterfall crying. And I was just like, <gasps> like after I sled push and just like done. But then after that, he's like, you know, nothing that you're going to do in competition is going to be as hard as this. And so I think just like day in, day out training as hard as I can, just knowing my body's been through this many times. Like it's no different. Obviously you're next to the fittest people in the world, but you just have to stay focused and stay in your lane. Your body and your mind both know what to do. So just realizing the preparation is done, like this is the time to show it off. Do you find that those lessons that you learned in competing transition well to running a business? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, like I said, especially, you know, there's, there's times when you do things and you're like, that didn't go the way that I wanted, but you got to learn from it and you got to move on. You can't dwell on it forever and ever. Um, and just like the discipline and everything for competing, like, you know, I, we have started getting out there more as a business and, uh, soon like just doing like lives and talking and things. I'm, I've prepared, I've done things in my living room. So now I'm ready to like go to a bigger stage. And so, you know, the living room is kind of like the training. So you get ready for these bigger moments or even the video shoots and stuff that we do. I get nervous for, um, and writing the programs. Like I get nervous for it and 
hoping this is, you know, what everybody wants to see. I'm like, I get excited about the program, but you don't know until somebody else does it and somebody else tries it. And I feel like it's similar. Like when you're competing, you're doing all of this work in training and you're hoping it's the right things that you prepare for when you're going to the competition. Um, and so, yeah, a hundred percent, they were laid over to business. Yeah. And it seems like you had such a, or you still have such a drive to be the best, to be like, to really excel. What are your current goals with, um, with your, well, I suppose your business as a whole? Yeah. I mean, I'm, like you said, I'm such a perfectionist. I'm an all in person. And when I was finishing up CrossFit, I was, you know, kind of battling between the two because I wanted to be the best at both. And so the time was like kind of split. And I knew that I was going to be like retiring soon. And it made it easy because I had this amazing business to transition to and just really be able to spend more time and dedicate to that. Um, and my goal for the business is to have everybody in the world have power abs or fit, you know, follow one of my programs, especially those people that don't enjoy working out. Um, because the main thing that we pride ourselves on is these 10 minute workouts. They're not easy. I tell everybody that I'm like, it's 10 minutes. That doesn't mean it's easy. It's very, very intense. Um, but you have 10 minutes. And so I just want to continue to impact people's lives. Like I said, especially, especially those people that don't enjoy working out or that are like, I'm too busy. I don't have time. And like 10 minutes, like just take, you have 10 minutes. Where can people find out a little bit more about your programs? Uh, so the easiest place is powerabs.shop. That's my, that's where all of the programs are located. We have 20 programs. Uh, we started with power abs and then we have a variety. Some are power abs, powers for moms, different body parts as well. And then fit, which is power high intensity. Um, and then a fit strength. We just released super fit and a low impact fit for people that have joint issues or knee issues or anything. So a wide variety, all the fit programs are full body. Um, so if you go to powerabs.shop, you can see more about all of those programs. Like I said, they're all 10 minutes. So there's no reason not to do it. And a variety of them are just body weight and the other ones, you just need a pair of dumbbells. Nice. So to wrap up, I would like to ask a few quick fire questions. Actually, one of them's a bit less quick fire, but you can answer it quick fire if you want to. Um, okay. The transition between different types of sport they i think they're all quite different mindsets like endurance sport has a completely different mentality and kind of feeling to powerlifting to gymnastics to crossfit how do you how did you see that difference in mentality appear throughout um throughout your careers and yeah how did you manage that so gymnastics the longest event is about a minute and a half so it's just like a different like kind of mentality it's like you have certain things that you get nervous for. Like for me, there was like certain skills on each apparatus that I would get nervous for. And so once I like made it through that, then it was like, breathe. Okay. Now focus on the next part. And then like, even not taking anything for granted. So I feel like gymnastics was kind of like, okay, like you're going to get, you need to stay mentally tough for like this part or stay focused for this part where, I mean, weightlifting very similar, like, you know, they're, they're shorter movements. You have to focus on the few technique things, um, similar to powerlifting. And CrossFit is definitely the, was the hardest. I remember working on endurance and my endurance coach was like, you mentally suck in the longer workouts. And so I think realizing that and then figuring out tricks that worked for me, um, definitely helped because like I said, gymnastics, a minute and a half, a 10 K row, 40 minutes. We had to do a marathon row at the games, three hours, 12 minutes and one second for me. 
Um, and so it's just like realizing that there is that weakness and then figuring out how to work on it. What were the tricks that are most effective for you? For me, um, basically pay- changing my focus on like paces every couple minutes. So like in a 10 K row, my coach was like, okay, every one K we're going to change pace or like every 500, we're going to change pace. Like, okay, started at, you know, a certain pace and then let's go faster for 500. Okay. Let's slow it down for 500. Okay. Now let's switch the strokes. So there was like, just like this constant game where I'm like, okay, two minutes, do this, two minutes, do this, three minutes, do that. And so it was like being able to change things and focus on different things and just like, okay, you're going to go at this pace at this strokes per minute for this long. So for me, I needed to like switch it up, which definitely helped. Micro goals. I like it. The small, yeah, yeah, breaking it down. Um, So uh, the quick fire questions as promised, Um, what books have you either read and felt like they changed your lives or gifted most to other people? The number one thing is Atomic Habits um, because it's just like little things that changes that you can make uh, throughout the day. And then I forgot something champion by Tim Grover, um, who was, yeah, Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant's, uh, mental coach and, and Michael Jordan's mental coach. Nice. And then what habits do you perform for your own mental health and performance? Uh, what mental habits do I, sorry, will you say that again? Yeah. What habits do you perform for your own mental health? So common ones, getting outside, socializing, um, meditating, cold exposure, breath work. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like for me, I just, I love going just like for a nice walk without my phone, without anything. I live in a beautiful neighborhood, um, with palm trees and a golf course and everything. So I find that that's just like super relaxing and lets me kind of just breathe. When I lived in New York, I would walk along the water because that was incredible as well. I love taking baths and I feel like most of the things, like if I do, then it's like just getting rid of my phone because, you know, I feel like our phones like constantly stimulate us Our bit like my business is on my phone. So it's nice just getting away from that. Um, or even like since being in Vegas, randomly go for hikes, um, which is similar, like walking and just getting rid of my phone. Beautiful. Lovely stuff. And then finally, where can people find you? Instagram, Carrie Pierce CrossFit or powerabs.shop. Perfect. Carrie Pierce, thank you so much. It's been a real treat to speak to you. Of course, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Limitless Athlete Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, make sure you head to Spotify and click follow or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called now. Follow us, subscribe to the show. Make sure you don't miss out on any cool new interviews that we have coming up with CrossFit Games athletes, their coaches, um, sports psychologists, people that can help you find your next level in sport, in competition and wider life too.